0: Good afternoon, Rob Report on 970 WDAY-AM and 93.1 FM. Good afternoon, Nolan. How are you? I'm doing quite well. How are you, sir? Doing pretty good this uh, Wednesday afternoon. Feeling pretty good about things. Is it hot out there in Minot? Uh, you know, it's not as hot as it was yesterday. Yeah, we're about here. mid-80s.
1: Okay. Yeah, we're about, gosh, we're probably low 80s, I think. I think the high is supposed to be only 81 or so.
0: Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's for,
1: I'll take it.
0: We, uh, later in the program, going to have uh, North Dakota... Republican Party Executive Director Dane Ferguson on. They held a a press conference today, uh, the subject of which uh, they're emphasizing President Trump's agenda, and and this was right in the headline of their press release. They're knocking Senator Heidi Heitkamp's obstruction. Uh, That's what they're saying. So we're going to have on um, NDGOP Executive Director uh, Dane Ferguson to talk a little bit about that uh, coming up later in the program. Uh, For right now, I want to talk about you know over the last. Last year and, and into the early parts of, of this year, North Dakota, the, the news in our state was, was dominated, really, by the Dakota Access Pipeline protests. We had, I, I mean, they were, they were daily events. Um, they were violent. They were very ugly clashes between protesters and law enforcement. Uh, and, and the intent of the protest was to, to stop the pipeline, right? To to make it as expensive as possible for the pipeline to build, uh, to, to try to convince, you know, state officials or, or politicians to block it in, in one way or another. you know, this was it, it's it's basically political extremists in, in a in a world in which we all use oil every day. Their intent is to keep the oil in the ground without any regard to what that would do to us economically, without any regard to what that would do to our quality of life. They just want to keep the oil in the ground because they're extremists. And so that was an ugly situation. And now we see the Line 3 replacement project going on. Line 3 is an existing pipeline, but it's an aging pipeline. I I think it was built in the 1960s. Maybe it's not that old. I I don't know. It's an an aging pipeline. Let's put it that way. Uh, It's it's costing Enbridge a lot of money. Uh, They can't run it at full capacity right now. Uh, It's costing them a lot of money in terms of maintenance, digging up ground, having to go back down and and maintain that pipe in the ground because it's old. It's been there for a long time. They're in the process of replacing it with a new line. Uh, this, This pipeline, it runs down from Canada. It enters the United States and North Dakota, runs across a small corner of the northeastern part of north dakota runs across minnesota and into wisconsin uh there have been protests as a matter of fact reported yesterday there were six half a dozen people arrested uh doing the same sort of stuff that we saw they're calling themselves water protectors they're doing the same sort of thing we saw with the dakota access pipeline They're they're locking themselves to equipment and everything else um this is the third time the, the, the incident where six were, were just arrested. It was the third time in the last nine days that they have brought construction to a halt. By the way, th- this particular instance happened in in the, in the Wisconsin, along the Wisconsin section of the pipeline. Uh, third time in nine days that, that construction has been halted. Now, here's, here, here's what I think, because this has gotten beyond ridiculous. I have absolutely no problem with people protesting pipelines. I have no problem with people protesting oil development. But what we cannot allow to continue to happen and what we have got to start bringing consequences to is this idea that that you could just go out and and under the guise of the first amendment obstruct lawful industry. That's got to stop. And and I don't I don't know how to stop it because obviously the criminal charges aren't cutting it. Right, I, these environmental groups have have proven willing to use their rank and file members, their their rank and file adherents. Their, uh some even call them professional protesters. These these activists who travel from place to place to place around the country, they don't mind getting arrested and facing whatever you know misdemeanor charges for uh, trespass or whatever. They don't mind. They're cannon fodder. They don't care. That's not deterring anybody. And so maybe what would deter these people is if we went after their checkbooks. Instead of focusing on the protesters on the ground, why not go to the groups that are organizing this? Why not hold them civilly liable for engaging in activities which are not protected by the First Amendment, which are often unlawful, Hold them accountable for for costing these pipeline companies millions and millions of dollars. Because here's, here's the simple truth. Whether you like pipelines or not, whether you like oil development or not, it's legal. The law allows it. Right? These pipeline companies are not out in the middle of these fields wildcatting. They're not out there outside of the law. They have been regulated. They have been permitted. They are allowed to be doing what they're doing. They are engaging in lawful industry. And at some point, you know, you, you see it all the time, where you have these big national groups, these these organizations with deep, deep pockets, and there's, you know, there, there's entire spider webs of them, and they are out there and they are promoting this stuff. They are organizing it. They are making it happen. And I think at some point, they need to be held accountable for it. This sort of uh, this sort of stuff is 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 not acceptable. And, and let's put it in a different context because maybe you're the sort of person who hates a pipeline. Maybe you're the sort of person who hates oil development. Maybe you're the sort of person who sympathizes with the cause of these protesters. Fine. More power to you. But what if we were talking about an abortion clinic? What if we were talking about pro-life, pro-life protesters outside of an abortion clinic blocking people from going in or chaining the door shut or doing other things, vandalism or what have you, to cause that abortion clinic as a business as an operation to cost them money to hinder their ability to go about their work which by the way is legal whether you like abortion or not it's legal under the current law what about a a bunch of neo-nazis who go and decide that that some they're going to block people from going in to some uh, african-american small business owner's business right I mean what if what if some you know uh neo-nazi group or ku klux klan group or hate group or or whatever decided you know what we're going to do we're going to target black businesses around the country and we're going to go out and we're going to vandalize and we're going to we're going to block entrance into their businesses and just generally try to make their lives miserable i think most of us would agree that's not okay and to the extent that those organized protests cause damages they should be held accountable for them well how about this How about the people who go out and cost pipeline companies millions and millions of dollars in damages, millions and millions of dollars in additional expenses? How about they get held accountable? How about they be held accountable in civil court for what they're doing? What's so wrong with that? Love to hear what you think. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. Because, listen, if, if this is a tactic that's allowed to stand, this idea where I, well, I don't like a pipeline, so I'm going to roll up and I'm going to set bulldozers on fire and I'm going to send my protesters in, and they're going to lock themselves to equipment, and that's going to cause you know delays and and extra security requirements and 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 repairs and everything else that's going to cost these pipeline companies millions and millions of dollars extra. If, if that's what it's going to be, well then where's the limit on that? Can any of us, for whatever whatever our cause, whether it's some bigoted cause or Let's say you're pro-life or you're anti-tax or whatever. Can we all just do that? Can we all just ignore the crime, the the, the criminal code? Can we all just go out and do whatever we want and, and just say, oh, well, I'm protected by the First Amendment? My cause is just? It, it, it amazes me the pass that these environmental protesters get when they pull this stuff, right? Because where are the journalists tracking these networks of money, right? Where, where are the journalists asking, where are you getting this money from? to travel these people all over the country from pipeline project to pipeline project to obstruct these? Where are the journalists questioning these tactics? Because those are valid questions to ask, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of interest in asking them. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob. Report on 970 wday and 93.1 FM. Email talk at wdy.com Listen, I, I, I think we need to take a step back. We need to stop taking sides on this. We need to ask ourselves, and I'm, I'm talking about these pipeline protests, but really – It applies to a lot of other places because we've seen a lot of political demonstrations get violent, get out of control in this country. I think we've all got to take a step back and we got to ask ourselves, what sort of behavior are we willing to, to countenance under the First Amendment? Now, listen, I am a First Amendment absolutist, but your First Amendment right does not give you the right to shut down someone else's business or to hinder their business or to harm them or to harm their business. It just doesn't like it or not. Building pipelines is legal. As long as these pipelines have legal authority to build it, they shouldn't be targeted by these organized attacks to, to, to inhibit their business. They inhibit their progress. And if they are, the people organizing it should be held liable in court. That's what I think. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. We've got John on the line. Go ahead, John. What's up?
2: So good afternoon, Rob. So what say you on this one? Right. Here's, here's an opinion. I view this, okay, for example, see, you and I hate Chinese imports. We don't like Chinese shoes. Okay. So we get a bunch of our buddies together, and we run down to a warehouse that brings in all these this product, and we chain ourselves to the building and we start spray-painting stuff, destroying their shoes, destroying their equipment. How long do you think it would take before the cops would haul us off en masse?
0: I hope they would haul us off very quickly, and I hope that, that we, you and I would be charged with crimes, and I hope that, that even uh, the, the company whose, whose property that we attacked, uh, the, the business, would would also sue us in, in court and hold us liable for the damage that we did. Uh, okay. I, I, I think, I think that's, that's how it should work.
2: Okay, so you and I are on the same page, you know, yeah. common sense rules here. Sure. The way I view this, and this goes back to the, our pipeline protest, it goes to the events in Charlottesville, you know, a few weeks ago. It goes to some of these Black Lives Matter protests. I view a lot of it as whoever the political party is in charge of a given area is not wanting to do anything for fear of repercussion to their party at this point, honestly. Because you had an outgoing governor in the form of Jack Dalrymple, and you had an incoming governor who wasn't quite elected yet that come from the same party. Am I incorrect on that assumption?
0: Yeah, yeah, governor, governor, uh, governor, former Governor Dalrymple and, and now our current Governor, Doug Burgum.
2: Okay. So if Dalrymple had done things the way he should have, he should have mobilized the National Guard, he should have hauled them off in passed. Should have put him in outdoor prisons for whatever it needed to just put a stop to the situation, yeah. but he chose not to. And of course, the incoming governor really didn't, you know, drop the boot, so to speak, on the situation. Well, with
0: with with the incoming governor, we also got an incoming president who changed the entire dynamic of that situation. I, I mean, I the, the minute President Trump won that election, everybody knew you know, he was going to clear the, the regulatory path on, on, on the pipeline. And also you saw a, a change in attitude, because you've got to remember, the state was limited in what it could do because the protest encampments where they were launching, you know, these attacks from on on, on the pipeline were on federal land. Well, uh, so, and, and so, and so, so the ability or- of, yeah, I mean, there, there was a big federal nexus. Let's, I, I don't, there are oh, things right, that I, I, rough, I think, I think Governor think i had Ripple, leave that
2: federal land go cause the I understand, and that's when they should have been rounded up and arrested en masse
0: and they were i mean let's let's not forget that we arrested hundreds upon hundreds of people
2: well but there were thousands upon thousands of people there so yeah well know, there's, there's I, also
0: but but there was also i mean there were logistical challenges in in terms of i mean uh, there were times where i'm not sure our law enforcement presence physically could have arrested any more people even if they had wanted to
2: well, right. I mean, again, it was, I, I, think, I think, I think, in, I, I think, I think, I think, John, I think, reinforcements are necessary,
0: is it not? Well, we were putting out calls to other states across the country. The federal government was not was refusing to send anybody. I think you're forgetting that part. I think you're also forgetting that the call went out to other states, and we had left wing protests targeting leadership in those states. Look at, for instance, Governor Mark Dayton, who worked to uh, to, to to try to stop law enforcement from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Coming over to help oh, North Dakota and, and law and enforcement. Now we did, we this. did so get. You look I, at the
2: political, the politicizing of these events. You know, is what we yeah. need to start looking at. Well, this,
0: well, this, well this, like, that's and that's that's, know, that's so, I, John. When I, the, when
2: I the politicians let us down and just failed to enforce.
0: The law. I don't. I don't. I, I think you're being a little bit simplistic, John. I listen. There are things that Governor Dalrymple could have done. I, I think he should have done. He could have definitely done a better job. But this whole like we should have just cracked down. We should have sent uh, the 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 National Guard in. People would have ended up dead. I think it is a testament. To the, the professionalism of our law enforcement and National Guard leaders, that we came out of the Dakota Access Pipeline a situation with nobody dying during during the protests, we were very very lucky. Well, now, and, and, but, and but, right. but John, that, John uh, but, let me know. John let me finish. Okay, the larger ahead. point here, the, the the larger political point here, I think is a very very good one. This is the problem: is these things become. Of football because instead of us uh, you know everybody out here who is not an extremist you know stepping back and saying you know what uh, i i don't care if i agree with the larger goal of these protesters or not setting bulldozers on fire and chaining yourself to equipment and generally carrying on like a bunch of jackholes is not acceptable behavior this is criminal behavior uh and they ought to be held accountable for it nobody's willing to do that nobody well, and, and, and that's that's, that's, where, that's where the where political part of, going of it comes with
2: you on this rob this is right. where i agree with you you know i'm I'm asking myself now, at this level, not not the dust is cleared, and as a taxpayer, I'm on the hook for $33 million, you know, to to pay back law enforcement and everything else, excluding the damage that was done to all of the equipment. You know, on top of it, I'm asking myself, where is is my representation in coming back at them to get my money?
0: Yeah, well... They're trying. Uh, they are. They are coming back and and, and trying. Uh, we just got, I think, thirteen million dollars from the feds. But, well, but you know, I, federal government. Federal government. I don't. I don't know.
2: That's from you and me again. That's well, not, I know. That's not from the people who caused the problem. It, it's I coming know. from the federal government. You and I. I I agree
0: with you. I mean, that's that's the point I'm trying to make. Is we have got to start holding the groups that organize this stuff liable. And, and honestly, I, I'm not sure I'm not sure the state is in a good position to do that. I, I think that's very complicated for a government to do. But I think the pipeline companies, being the damaged party, the explicitly damaged party, are in a perfect position to do it. And I think they ought it. John, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. More to come straight ahead. Uh, North Dakota Republican Party Executive Director Day, Dane Ferguson joins me coming up next. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY-AM and 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Just. Welcome back, Rob. Report on 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM. I have uh, North Dakota Republican Party uh, Chairman, or excuse me, not Chairman, <laughs> Executive Director uh, Dane Ferguson uh, waiting on the line. I-, I wanted to read this though. Uh, Dale Wetzel, who is uh, he's a former Associated Press reporter. Uh, he's also a uh, he also works for the Department of Public Instruction uh, as a public information officer, uh, and is also my friend on Facebook. He, he did the math on this. This is amazing, Nolan. Uh, this is about the uh, Hurricane Harvey.
1: Um, oh, yeah. I heard about this earlier.
0: Yeah. He, I he think I know the quote. numbers you'll say. Yeah. Says, Something I heard from a TV weatherman prompted me to do this calculation. Weather experts have estimated that Harvey has dumped 19 to 20 trillion gallons of water on Texas. Uh, let's assume the 20 tr- trillion figure is right. It takes 27,154 gallons of water to cover an acre of land with one inch of water. North Dakota's surface area is 70,762 square miles, which is 45.2 million acres, basically. Uh, To cover North Dakota with an inch of water would require uh, 1.2 trillion gallons of water. 20 trillion gallons would cover the state in about 16.3 inches of water. (laughs) The entire state of North Dakota. Right.
1: That is insane. 16.3
0: inches. That's mind-boggling. Anyway, I just wanted to share. That just blew yeah. my mind. Uh all right, let's go to our guest Dane Ferguson. That number surprised you Dane? That just blows me out of the water. I can't believe it. It is that
3: absolutely it's absolutely tragic our hearts and uh our prayers go out to the victims of uh the hurricane in texas and uh um, you know we're, we're seeing full the full display of what makes our country great with the, the neighbors helping neighbors and um it's uh it's a testimony in these times of tragedy that uh, we can come together and as one country help one another so you know it's, yeah, it's it one of those... that's a lot of water and yeah. uh you know we'd like to use a little that water in this part of the in the country out west but you know Not that that's, much. that's the trouble thing about that
0: so you know it's it's the thing you don't you don't want it to be necessary to to have to help each other like that i mean you don't want it but it is if you could say that there's a silver lining to something like hurricane harvey which i mean gosh it's hard to say because it's such an awful thing but if there is a silver lining it it is those those moments of grace where you're seeing neighbors you know help each other especially at a time when our country is divided as it is anyway uh, let's switch gears here. You guys held a press conference today, Dane. What were you guys talking about?
3: Yes, we did. It was a great press conference. We um, basically wanted to make sure that people were aware that we are on board with Trump's agenda as the NDGOP, that we're, our goal and our aim is to go after the things that he talked about in the campaign trail, that he was we're going to go and initiate his agenda. Um, we're dedicated to um, having a good field of candidates that will um, compete for the nomination endorsement, for um, North Dakota's um, U.S. Uh, Republican senator, and um, we wanted to highlight some of those those differences that Heidi Highcamp, uh, Senator Highcamp, had promised on the campaign trail now almost six years ago, and what the results actually are in Washington, and, and what uh, she'll say one thing and do another. And we highlighted a lot of those discrepancies today.
0: There are a lot of people who are saying that that Donald Trump, because he's got very low approval numbers nationally, because there's certainly a lot of controversy. I, I, I think you would you would, could see, would would say that's accurate. There's a lot of controversy around his administration all the time. There's a lot of people who are seem to be arguing that President Trump will be something of a liability to Republicans in the 2018 election cycle. Now, the, what the party is saying is basically here we stand behind our guy. We stand behind the president. I, I mean, is, is this a roll of the dice? Well, you know, absolutely that there is a
3: risk going into any midterm election when you've got an incumbent president of your party um, when it comes to exposure, um, you know, controversial issues, things of that nature. And, and it, historical it, trends will would prove that out, that the party in power tends to have a more vulnerability with exposure that they have on those midterm ballots. That being said, I think that North Dakota is working with, um, with a president that, has a lot of support in this state it's close to a 60 percent approval rating um and i think largely in part because of his agenda initiatives he's focused on jobs he's focused on energy things that are really true to bring back home here in north dakota and I think when we elected President Trump, we, we knew what we were getting, the, 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 the silly things that, that get brought up in the media, and, and, and you know, to like it or not, some of them are, some of them are you know, overplayed, some of them aren't. But even that being said, the focus of what we do, and I think the most North Dakotans say, listen, that's silly stuff, we focus on the agenda, we focus on the issues, and that's what we, elect, we elected him president for.
0: 701-293-9000, 888 970 talking with Dane Ferguson, executive director of the North Dakota Republican Party. They held a press conference today saying they stand behind President Trump and knocking Senator Heidi Heitkamp for not standing behind him. And that's a question I wanted to ask you, because I I perceive Heidi Heitkamp, and I, I think what a lot of her supporters would say is that she has probably been, at least among Democrats, you know, one of the Democrats in the Senate who has supported President Trump the most. She voted for most of his appointees. At one point, uh, she was at least flirting with possibly being a member of Trump's cabinet. Isn't it a little hard for you guys to turn around and say now, uh, oh, she's she's an obstructionist to the Trump agenda?
3: No, but no question. Are we dealing with Senator Heitkamp? Are we dealing with a very um, a, uh, a very a talented politician she has um proven that time and time again senator heitkamp is um one of those folks that has the opportunities to vote in the majority when it's most convenient convenient for her um and and i'll give you a couple examples one of which is the procedural vote to um, nominate um, Supreme Court Justice Gorsuch, where she voted against the procedure to go forward, and then when she had when that obviously lost, when they decided to not have the sixty uh, filibuster-proof uh, vote, uh, she, they, you know, then she had the opportunity to vote for him, saying then she can come back to North Dakota, saying I know this, this sounds trickery. There's, you know, it's nuanced, but that she's good at that game. Uh, but when the votes, really what people and listeners here on your show today, Rob, is that they have to understand is that she's good at the game. She's good at going to Washington and doing what Chuck Schumer's asking her to do and then coming home to North Dakota and saying, see, I voted X, Y, and Z. She can be technically right on some of those issues in terms of how she votes and how she's selling it. The problem is when it really matters, it's not coming through. And, and two other quick uh, uh, examples have to do with the BLM vote where she was a deciding factor. Um, deciding on what we are going to do with the flaring, she she voted uh, against North Dakota interest in that in that issue. That's uh, had a direct impact on North Dakota energy. Um, and lastly, it has to do with the Obamacare. Um, you know, she, she claimed that, um, she wanted a bipartisan solution that she didn't like these, these, uh, partisan gameship. But in reality, she voted three times against to, to do anything, any changes whatsoever. If she really was, uh, I believe it's been said elsewhere, if she really wanted to work bipartisanship, she could have pushed this thing through in a, a skinny repeal, worked on a conference committee, got some things done for North to go to, but she chooses not to because she's lined up with Chuck Schumer. She's whatever the Democrats tell her to do, she'll do. Um, there'll be votes that she, you know, is conveniently uh, aligned with what she, you know, her talking points are. But in, nine times out of ten, when she's supporting uh, Chuck Schumer, she's not supporting what North Dakota interests are.
0: Heidi Heitkamp's got some pretty. You, you were you were mentioning uh, President Donald Trump's approval rating in North Dakota, and he does. Uh, according, I, I saw a Gallup poll where uh, he was, you know, more. North Dakota was the state where he's the most popular. The only uh, other than West Virginia. I mean, we're basically he's he's more. More popular in North Dakota than any other state not named West Virginia. So, uh, But Heidi Heitkamp is also you know, very popular. Uh, the, the Morning Consult has been running a poll pretty consistently. Uh, she has shot up in that poll. She is now in the top ten most popular senators in the country. Uh, it certainly seems as though she's got pretty high approval. What are Republicans going to do about that?
3: Well, I mean, the first thing we, we, we acknowledge, you know, Heidi Heitkamp, Senator Heitkamp is a popular figure in North Dakota in terms of favorability on a personal level. She's a very nice woman. Everyone can mostly agree on that. Um, but the problem is is that, you know, a nice woman can go to Washington, D.C. and make really bad decisions. Um, those are the decisions that are affecting Americans' lives. These are, you know, we're looking for uh, votes and decisions made in D.C. that improve our economy, make our country safer, improve the lives of the folks here in North Dakota. And, when she goes to Washington, State and votes against her interests, she could she can come back and shake your hand and say nice things, and and they're genuine. I'm not disag- I'm not uh, arguing her uh, or she's just that she's disingenuous. But that, those are the things that matter. I think people North Dakotans are looking for a good excuse not to vote for her. If we um, have a good field of candidates, which I'm assuming we're going to, we've had an announced candidate a couple weeks ago. We're going to more than likely have a few more coming through. Um, those candidates we're gonna they're going to compete with one another. They're going to make form the best candidate out of the choices that we have given because we're, as Republicans we believe competition breeds strength it, it makes the candidate in the end become a better candidate and that candidate's going to go up against her and I think out of the field that I think we're going to have that I'm perceived to have are, are going to give a good, a good reason not to vote for Senator Heitkamp.
0: Talking with Dane Ferguson, executive director of the North Dakota Republican Party, 701 293 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. Heitkamp's already been fundraising. I mean, she's got a lot of money. I know she hasn't officially said she's in the race, which is a little disingenuous because I think she's got something like $3 million sitting in her campaign coffers right now, and it's August of 2017. We're still more than a year out from Election Day. Uh, she, to me, the way she's fundraising, she's clearly running for re-election. Uh, even though she's kind of playing coy about whether or not she's going to say she's running for re-election. She's running, I think. Uh, But she's got $3 million in the bank. And Republicans, like you said, you believe in competition. But on the other hand, you know, Republicans, we're probably going to have more than one candidate. Tom Campbell's in officially. I think we're probably going to end up with some more. Uh, They're going to have to compete with one another before they go on to face Heidi Heitkamp in that big mountain of money, and she is not really likely to get any sort of a serious challenge from other Democrats. So, you know, are are Republicans going to be ready to take on an incumbent who at this point looks fairly popular and has kind of a mountain of money behind her?
3: Oh yeah, no question. It'd be a challenge. I mean, the good news is we've got a lot of partners at play that are going to help us with this one. This is not something that, um, you know, NDGP is in for uh, all alone in uh, an island somewhere trying to do this. We've got some great partners in DC that's going to help fund this. I'm sure the candidates will have their own backers as well going forward. But no, no question. It's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge that she's mounted up against with 95 of 96. I mean, you've done the math, uh, uh, Rob, about how much money she's raised out of state. She's got a lot of her her Democratic friends helping around in Texas. Massachusetts and all these places, where she's getting the when they, she's getting the money. Um, so, no question, if those are folks that feel compelled that this is an issue, you know, the best place to start right now, right here, is with the NDGOP. We have opportunities to donate money. We're going to turn around and use that money and help fulfill our and continue our campaigns to expose Heidi for the weaknesses that she has, for the one, for the, the decisions that she's made that has affected us negatively. And that's right now our top priority at the NDGOP is to make sure that we highlight those deficiencies going forward and that when we get in coalesce behind a, one candidate here in the spring and into the late spring. that. That we can um, actually support a candidate going forward that's going to bring home true North Dakotan values to the state.
0: Dane, thank you for your time. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. That's Dane Ferguson, Executive Director of the NDGOP. I'm Rob Port. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY-AM and 93.1 FM. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back, Rob Report on W970WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Email talk at wday.com or uh, certainly call in 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at wday.com. Um. Have you have you been following Joel Austin? Obviously, in the news a ton with the the Hurricane Harvey thing. People flipping out about how his church wasn't doing enough or whatever.
1: You've been following that, Nolan? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I know he was on a few news outlets this yeah. morning. He was, on, I think, he was on Good Morning America and CNN. What 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 what, what do you think of that? Um, well, I think people need to maybe understand that, from what I know and from what the pictures that I saw, is that his mega church, which is the former. Houston Rockets arena is experienced some flooding as well. Um, And that they had to take care of that sort of stuff. And not that they couldn't, you know, it used to be a sports stadium. It's not like they couldn't put people, you know, in the upper concourse or anything like that. Um, That part seems kind of, fishy to me um i don't know it's just it's hard I'm, to make a case for for the him doing the right thing when he's kind of you know when it's a tax-exempt building like it's it's a tax-exempt yeah. service for a, a sports team yeah, i
0: i don't know i i because i i don't think that there's necessarily a on one hand i'm i'm sort of loath to defend people who run mega churches i, yeah. I just don't I don't know. I, I mean, it, it's hard for, for when if 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 you're making a living out of preaching charity and everything, and then you've got like yachts and you're living the sort of lifestyle he does. To me, that just seems fundamentally even before we get to the hurricane, that just seems fundamentally hypocritical. Yeah, and I'm and I'm an atheist, and so I'm not much into the spirituality or religion thing anyway. So, I I don't know. I I'm not I'm not exactly Joel Austin's demographic. I guess. Um, that being said. I kind of hate how on on the fringes of these national stories like this, it's like we're always trying to find some scapegoat, right? We're trying to find some point of outrage that the internet mob, those of us who are are watching, you know, the tragedy of of a hurricane or or something like it unfold from afar or something, the rest of us, I guess, could get our noses out of joint. uh, it, It just seems to me like there's an element of just sort of vindictiveness to this, right? Like, like, we're all feeling bad about this hurricane, and so we're feeling like we need to do something and oh maybe I can I could signal my virtue by joining the mob that's lashing out against Joel Osteen, right right I, I don't I, I don't know I mean, could he have opened up his church? I, I don't know I mean in in a situation like that, it's pretty complicated, right I mean could could the church get personnel there? To be able to open it? I mean, mean, I'm sure the people who work at the church also live in the Houston area. Maybe those people had things they were doing. They're not professional first responders, unlike police or or paramedics or or fire workers who make a living out of that sort of thing. They work in a church building, right? Maybe they weren't necessarily ready to to open it. I mean, I I don't know. And I'm not defending them because I don't know all the facts. But I think the point is a lot of the other people griping don't necessarily know all the facts either. But yet we're dragging this guy through the mud. Yeah. I just, I don't know, just calm down. Maybe focus on other things. Scott's on the line. Go ahead, Scott. We've got a couple minutes left. What's up?
2: Hey, I was just going to comment on the, the church thing, and kind of yeah. seems like it's more of a tax shelter than a victim, flood victim. Well, yeah, and murder, that's, but
1: yeah,
0: I, I mean, you're not going to find me defending the mega church model. <laughs> I'm not right. so you,
2: you think they would have enough money and resources to help, yeah. help out like they're supposed to, but anyway, thanks, man.
0: I- yeah thanks for the call scott appreciate it yeah i mean listen if, if you want to be critical of the megachurch thing then you know i'll probably be with you i mean it's not it's not my cup of tea and i i, I don't know again if you're if you're out preaching a preaching a a message of, of charity and, and everything else and then you're on your yacht or flying in your private airplane or whatever come on Hey, that's it for me, Jay Thomas Show, coming up straight ahead. You can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday at 970 WDAY-AM and 93.1 FM, or of course, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again.